Open fire. Now that I have your attention. Welcome to the Chase Ascendancy Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Chiss Ascendancy Podcast. This is Josiah, and we're doing our weekly review of uh, this week's The Book of Boba Fett episode. We're on Chapter 4, uh, which is The Gathering Storm. It's uh, We're getting ready to really hit our stride with what's coming up in The Book of Boba Fett. I think everything that we've seen so far is kind of leading to this. And uh, so we're going to get into that, review it. I'm, I'm flying solo today, so it'll probably be a little bit of a shorter episode. Um, but I wanted you guys to uh, still get uh, my thoughts on this. But I did ask for uh, some Q&A, uh, things that you guys wanted to know or hear. Uh, I, For me personally especially, I love that the podcast helps grow uh, friendships in the Star Wars community, and so I love to hear from you guys. I love to get feedback or even questions from y'all, and so I asked for a couple of questions, and we got a handful in, so I want to look at those and kind of have almost like some interaction with you guys uh, by you guys sending questions in and then us answering them on the air, and then right after that, we will get into our review. Okay, so we're going to start with a couple of questions from my buddy Skeleton Astronaut on Instagram, and uh, so he's got five different questions. Um, He's one of those guys that I can be like, I'm not getting a whole lot of bite on this, so he sent me a handful. Uh, So there's a couple that are more in-depth questions, and then a couple that are just easy two-part answers. Uh, Okay, so it says, on Exegol, why are the weird Snoke clones still there in the tubes? If they're failed attempts, why keep them? And if their uh, unfinished new bodies was Palpatine planning to just start the Snoke ruse all over again? Uh, so that's a great question. I would say that I think outside of Star Wars, when it comes to just uh, filmmaking and things like that, I think that those clones are there to show, obviously, this is where Snoke came from. It's it's the tiniest bit of clarity that we'll get on the Snoke um whole spiel obviously i've said before that i want like a full show or a you know a book or two or comic series something about the final order and how it's been building we get a little bit of that in the darth vader comics seeing darth vader on exegol um to kind of see the bigger scope of the emperor's plan it's a way of the emperor putting him back in his place we've seen him do it physically before but this is a mental thing where it's like look, my plan is so much further along than you think it is. And so it kind of puts him back in his place. Within the Star Wars universe, I think that maybe there are clones still there because A, uh, bad guys just seem to leave a mess wherever they go. And so maybe he just still has those there. It could also be that, yes, who knows, uh, you know, let's say that Kylo Ren kills Snoke and he becomes the Supreme Leader. And if the Emperor cannot get uh, Kylo or Ray to allow him, or if he's not able to pass his, uh, his, his mind, his essence transfer into their bodies, uh, then perhaps he just keeps going with the Snoke, uh, thing, just, you know, body by body until he finds someone that he thinks is worthy of holding his essence. Um, and to me, it gets more buy-in from the people who A, are a part of the First Order, or B, are considering leaving the First Order, uh, so 
anyone who's loyal to or being like, this, these guys are nothing. Like, now Kylo's gone too? What's going on? I think if you have a, you know, Snoke is back from the dead that's holding the Emperor's place until he can find a proper body, I think it shows how powerful Snoke was without giving away the truth of it being Palpatine. Um, are there surviving Final Order forces elsewhere? This is his follow-up question to that. Um, it's kind of weird because I think because Exegol was so hard to get to and because uh, we saw the vast uh, vast amount of ships and personnel that he has there, I think that unless someone from the Final Order were to leave the battle, um, I don't see... It was... I kind of... Palpatine has that personality that it's all his eggs in one basket. So it was like the Death Star, like this is going to be everything. And you see that between Thrawn um, and Vader and the Emperor and some of the Thrawn books from the Imperial era where Thrawn was telling them this isn't as efficient as you think it is. And it would be much better to just strengthen and have a crazy large armada of multiple ships um, and having the tide defenders and things like that versus one big giant ball in the sky. Um, and the Emperor obviously chooses the Death Star. You get the same feeling with Exegol, where it's like, it's the Final Order. It's almost kind of like, even just the name, the Final Order is like, if this thing fails, then it is what it is. But I don't, I don't assume it will. And realistically, it shouldn't have, except for it was a movie and the good guys had to win. But you can't really, you can't really look at that fleet and be like, yeah, all these random ships would win. It's kind of like, if you had... You could bring, let's say you have a basketball game and you have 10 professional basketball players and 35 non-professionals. Other than the fact that they're just going to crowd the court, like the 10 professionals are just going to kill these guys. I don't think just having a massive amount of ships come in is the is the fix, but I understand that good needs to win in the end. Uh, okay, to a Gungan. <laughs> okay, to a Gungan who is hotter, Boss Nass, Jar Jar, or Captain Tarples? Um, I would say, so Jar Jar's the least of these because, uh, A, he seems to be a different color from all the other Gungans. And so I don't know if that's because he spent so much time in the sun that he's, his pigmentation is changing, but he has, he, he looks like an outcast. He walks like an outcast. Um, even in some of the high Republic stuff, we've gotten some Gungans that's actually have high intelligence and Jar Jar kind of makes them all look bad. So the fact that he is different mentally, Looks different physically. He's probably not that desirable. I love Jar Jar, but that's just the truth. Um, I think Boss Nass is kind of like that old school style of like, you know, the the kings from like way back in the day. Like the, the bigger you were, like the fatter you were, the more great it was for you because it meant wealth. So I think Boss Nass has that build that's like, I look this way because I can afford to look this way. That's why you should be interested in me. But physically, Captain Tarples is the specimen. So, unless you're a gold digger, the answer is Captain Tarples. Um, okay. An Aklay, which is the spider-like creature from Attack of the Clones in the arena, versus the Mama Ice Spider, who wins? Um, man, that's a tough one. I would say that the Aklay seem to have more at their disposal. And uh, they seem to be more dangerous. And I think that they can be dangerous in more areas. So I guess what I mean by that is, of course, a lion is dangerous, but a hippo is just as dangerous and more dangerous in the water. Or a crocodile is probably a better example of, to a human being, 
a lion can run me down and kill me on land, but if I can get away in the water, I don't think a lion's going to chase me into the water. A crocodile can outrun me on land and obviously can kill me in the water. So I think the acclay is more dangerous in more environments than the ice spider. I think the ice spider kind of, seems kind of reclusive, like it needs to be in that specific place. So I'm taking the acclay. In Legends, there were some acclay that were believed to be slightly force-sensitive, so screw that. Um, and then finally from uh, my buddy Skeleton Astronaut, he says, which Star Wars planet would you want to live on? Um, Pre-Death Star, Alderaan looked pretty awesome. Uh, before Jedi Fallen Order, I would have said Kashyyyk because I love seeing the trees and the sand and the beach and stuff. But um, in comics, you start to see there's other things out there. But Fallen Order really gives you a glimpse into the Australia that Kashyyyk is. And uh, I don't want to die from a bee sting from a bee that's like the size of a car or anything crazy like that or getting eaten by a worm. Um, so I guess uh, in my mind, Corellia always seemed cool. But then when you finally really read it and and see it on screen it's kind of like just a massive industrial planet so it's not very cool um i love the coruscant nightlife but i would have to say something like naboo or alderaan that has the nature aspect but not the killing nature aspect of of uh, kashik is probably where i'd end up so that's probably my answer probably uh probably alderaan pre pre-death star explosion Okay, we're moving on to, um, this is another buddy of mine on Instagram. His uh, Instagram handle is Mile High Ground. Um, he's a huge fan of uh, the classic scale, the three and three quarter inch uh, Star Wars action figures. And uh, so he's got a couple of questions. He says, uh, number one, I was a huge fan of Asherod Het in the Legends canon uh, and absolutely adored his dynamic with Anakin Skywalker during the, during the Clone Wars, as well as his rejoining of the Tuscans and the crossing paths slash blades with Obi-Wan before ultimately ending up becoming a Sith Lord. The question here is, would you like to see Asherod make the jump to canon, maybe even in the Obi-Wan show? And this actually kind of goes hand in hand with uh, my buddy Finn's question, which was, if you had to bring one person back into canon between Asherod Het and Kakrook, who would it be? Um, so, long story short, Asherod Het was a... Um, a human man that was raised on Tatooine by his father as a Tusken Raider. He was taken to the Jedi Temple because he was Force-sensitive, as was his father. He was raised as a Jedi um, and actually very close with Anakin Skywalker. And um, long story short, he uh, escapes Order 66, rejoins the Tuskens, and is starting to kind of tamper into the dark side, obviously surviving death and things like that kind of, you know, really make you have that survival mode. Uh, so he tampers kind of with the dark side a little bit. He fights with Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan defeats him, but he escapes. And long story short, he goes way outside of the known uh, universe of Star Wars and is captured by a species called the Yuuzhan Vong. And in the far, far, far future, literally decades after Luke Skywalker is dead, um, he returns with a group called the One Sith as their leader, and his Sith name is Darth Crate, and he actually ends up ruling the galaxy for a time. Very incredible character. Um, so, would I love to see Ashrod Het come back? Absolutely. I think um, <clears throat> if they were to stick at all to what his story was like in the in the uh, previous existing canon, the comics and books and stuff, um, it would give us a villain for the far, far future. Obviously, the question is, will they pick up? you know, Ray and Finn and them will Ben Solo somehow be brought back to life or will he, you know, 
all those kinds of things. Um, so that's the near future question of what happens after the rise of Skywalker. But by the time Darth Krayt comes back into the picture, we're dealing with Cade Skywalker, who is the grandson of Luke or the great grandson of Luke. Um, so we're talking years and years down the line. So I would love to see him come back. Responding to Finn's question between what I prefer to have Darth Krayt or Kakrook come back into canon, uh, even though I think Darth Krayt does more... Um, for the franchise, as far as presenting this really crazy villain, um, Kakrook is probably one of my favorite Jedi. And if you don't know who he is, if you're watching on the video, this is actually an action figure of him. My buddy uh, just sent me. Let's see if we can get that camera to focus on him. A very, very cool character. I've seen people do this before. I don't know if that helps at all. Oh, it does help. So uh, Kakrook was a Jedi master during the rise of the Empire during the Clone Wars. And he actually... Uh, Survived all the way to the legacy era, which is like I said, this is generations after Luke was even around um, and uh, basically unkillable fought General Grievous and lost but survived survived Order 66 survived all these things. Um, and so even though Darth Krayt seems to be the more dynamic character as far as what he does for the franchise selfishly Kukruk would be my choice. Um, and then a second question from uh, Mile High Ground says since uh Mando, the Mandalorian, introduced uh, a character from an Aftermath interlude chapter, which is Cobb Vanth, the marshal from uh, Season 2, Episode 1 of The Mandalorian, was actually first in the, the books. Uh, when do you think we'll see depressing old broken Jar Jar in Disney Plus shows? <laughs> um, dang, that's sad. So, in the Aftermath trilogy, there were these really cool interludes when they, were ch they would break off from the main story of the trilogy and check on other characters around the universe uh, around the galaxy, and uh, so Cobb Vanth was one of those we got introduced to. He was the guy that found and and used Boba Fett's armor to um, to free the slaves of what they ended up calling Freetown, which is uh, they tweaked it a little bit to call it Mos Pelgo on Tatooine um, from the Mandalorian. I would say, is there a chance we'll see Jar Jar? Sure. Um, it would need to make sense. That's something that uh, Alex from Star Wars Explained was kind of pointing out was. The, there's a really tough balance between fan service just because the fans like it and fan service because it makes sense. Uh, so, for instance, Black Kersantan being in the, the Book of Boba Fett totally makes sense because he's a bounty hunter that's been employed by the Huts before. Why wouldn't he be employed by the Huts now? And if the Huts want Tatooine back from Boba, it makes sense that he's in the show. Um, there's fan service that even though it's neat... It kind of feels wedged in there, and it takes your mind off the story. So um, the example that he gives is when you see R2 and C-3PO in Rogue One, it kind of makes you go, well, what are they doing there? Or why are we focusing on them versus they're not just walking past? Um, you take time to pause and look at those guys and hear those guys versus they're not just in the background somewhere as something you catch at a later date. So um, I do think Jar Jar... I mean, if we find ourselves on Naboo for some reason, um, it, there would be extreme backlash if he was like an integral part of a show or anything. Uh, but I would like to, I would like to see Jar Jar. I'd like to have him back. Um, obviously, you guys know I'm a Jar Jar fan, and uh, you know he did a lot for motion capture uh, that led to a lot of other great things. So, obviously, you know it's a it's an interesting character. Uh, okay, so last for our question segment. Um, this is from my buddy Christian, a longtime watcher of the show. 
Uh, it says, for those who are not savvy in Star Wars lingo, I have a feeling I know what it is, but what in the crap balls is a daimyo? And uh, what he's referencing is uh, Boba Fett, when he establishes himself as the new ruler of all of Jabba's kingdom, he calls himself the, himself the daimyo of Tatooine. Um, so basically, the, the term daimyo comes from Japanese history, uh, where there were a handful of lords that ruled large groups of, of land and property that made up, like imagine the United States is 50 states. Imagine if that was broken up into like 15 or 20 large pieces of land and you would have a lord, which was the daimyo of that area. Um, so for instance, when you first start the show, the book of Boba Fett, he says he's the daimyo of Tatooine, but later, uh, if you'll notice when he's talking to the watermonger from episode three, he says, if you want to charge that much for money, go to Anchorhead or go to most, uh, most Isley or something like that. And uh, long story short, what he's meaning is you're not going to charge that price in my territory. So I think, um, my understanding of where we're at in the show right now is is not that Boba Fett wants to rule all of Tatooine. He wants to rule the land, uh, you know, Mos Espa and around there. And so it seems like um, he's wanting to rule a portion of Tatooine, um, but there's a few things that he said that make me think he doesn't mean the whole area. So he may want to rule the whole area, uh, the whole planet, but he said things like to the watermonger, you can go sell your water for that price somewhere else on Tatooine, meaning not in my property. But basically, a daimyo is a the technical term after I was, I was also wondering and looked at it myself is a feudal lord from Japanese history. Uh, so... Uh, that's it for all of our questions for today's episode. Uh, again, I, I did this. I reached out to different people and asked for questions and put it on the Instagram and stuff because I love interacting with those who are listening and watching the show. Uh, so if you had a question that I happened to miss, uh, please send it to either uh, Fet Ventures, which is my photography page, or the Chiss Ascendancy Podcast uh, Instagram. And if you would, uh, send, send a DM there and we would love to answer questions uh, even every week as long as it doesn't get too crazy and out of hand. Um, but that's just something I love to uh, to be involved with the listener and kind of create more of a relationship between the podcast and those who uh, listen and watch. So thank you guys. And now we'll get to our review of chapter four of the book of Boba Fett. All right. So we've got uh, Samuel's on the pod. So I did the Q&A, but he was freed up. So I know everybody prefers more than just me on here. So uh, <laughs> it was cool to have Samuel on. So we're going to go ahead and get to our review for chapter four of the book of Boba Fett, The Gathering Storm, uh, mm. not to be confused with The Rising Storm, which is a fantastic High Republic novel by uh, Kevin Scott. Uh, mm. But this is the fourth installment of the book of Boba Fett. And uh, so since it's it's going to be Saturday by the time this thing comes out. So I say go ahead and just let full rip. So when you're giving your overall thoughts, doesn't matter what you're talking about. Uh, yeah, so all right. give, give me your overall thoughts and then your rating. Uh, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, rating. I'm trying to think of everything that happened because a lot happened. It was one of the longer episodes. Yeah, it's um, like uh, four, 48 minutes or something. Yeah, I think total it was like more than 50, but without the credits, high 40s. Um, 
no, I enjoyed it a lot. It was, it was cool to see a lot of things that I wanted to happen, happen. And last time we were on uh, talking, I suggested that I would see it as very possible that uh, Mando makes an appearance and it looks like um, that's been very, very heavily hinted at with, uh, with Fennec saying that, you know, credits can buy muscle and then they play the entire Mandalorian theme song. It, I don't feel like it was uh, <laughs> subtle at all. Dude, you know uh, what's going to make me mad? What if they're like, muscle's easy to get if you have credits, and then they hear the doo-doo-doo-doo, and we're all like sicked and jarring, and then it's freaking Bo-Katan. <laughs> they would I'd be like, us, they? turn you off. No, nah, they wouldn't oh. do that. Um, so, well, uh, okay, so first of all, can I show you this hat? <laughs> I know this is random. Yeah, well- uh, Jacob gave me this one of our MCs. It says, "Women want me, fish fear me." Oh my goodness! He Dude, was I like, freaking, "This is that had is such a meme, bro." He was like, "This is my style of humor," and I was like, "I'm wearing it." So shout out to Jacob. <laughs> Have you um, seen? Uh, first of all, sorry, I thought I muted my mic before I did that gross sniffle. Um, <laughs> but uh, so my apologies to whoever just got. I'm not going to use the terminology I want to use there, but uh, I've all your ears. I'm sorry. Um, have you seen the meme of that like really long bill fishing hat? Like, have you ever been to Bass Pro and you've seen like the extra long bill fishing hats? First of all, have you ever seen those? Uh, I can't recall seeing a long, like a super I'm long. I'm talking those things hat, but... are like literally like a foot long. What's like the a point? Foot long bill. It's more sun protection i guess um but That's like so it was dumb. embroidered like all the way down from the hat like down the front of the brim and it's like this freaking epic poem about <laughs> fish fearing him it's really funny that's funny now i'm in the market for an, a long bill hat yeah no they look ridiculous i think they're the funniest things though but hey i honestly i've been places where it's like i could use some extra blockage from this huh? hey wolfie Who's that? He's at the moon. He's at the moon. That's right. I'm at the moon. He's on. That's Sambo. You see him? Why are you at the moon? Why not? He says, why not? I'm going to be out there in a few minutes, okay? All right. I'll see you in a few minutes. You can take that with you if you want. Speaking of, yeah, I was trying to remember everything that happened. Freaking, they got Slave One back. He took a. <laughs> he just wanted the Swiffer. <laughs> Freaking kids, man. They're crazy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think uh, I think the episode was really good. What would you? Okay, so uh, your yeah, overall... So overall rating, I'm gonna give it an eight point seven. Oh snap! I really enjoyed it. I liked the vengeful look in his eye when uh, he was blasting those uh, speed bike gangs. Yeah. Absolutely no mercy. Didn't hold back even a little bit. I thought we were going to get the seismic charge in that scene. Like I thought he was going to go in front of him and drop it. But I guess it was pretty cool to see him get the Sarlacc back. Well, it just felt nice that he was the one that killed the Sarlacc. Like I always thought, I guess there was parts of it that I... uh, Remember in Mando season two, they were like, nothing kills a Sarlacc. And they're like, except for a crate dragon. So I guess I kind of assumed the crate ate the Sarlacc and that's how Boba got out. But it was cool that he got out of his mm-hmm. own accord and killed the Sarlacc. Yeah. Um, 
So I well, would and it, everybody thought it was dead already. So it was kind of weird that it was just like plain possum. Yeah. Uh, what do you, so chapters one, two, three, and four, what is your, mm-hmm. what's your ranking so far? I think we're at two, four, one, three for me right now. Okay. I would agree with that. I'm, I'm enjoying the longer episodes because um, for whatever reason, the shorter episodes, like me, the Mandalorian episodes, though, even the shorter ones, I felt like I was pretty satisfied at the end. Like I always want more, but sure. I felt like I was like at least a little bit satiated, like, oh, okay, that's a good place to hang up. But yeah, with I the agree. Boba Fett shorter episodes, I always want, I'm always like, is that it? Yeah. It's like, the it's like you pulled a bag of popcorn out of the microwave too soon and you just have like a lot of kernels. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, it's Not interesting because both of episodes one and three have been by Robert Rodriguez, who mm-hmm. is kind of the guy heading up this show. Um, mm-hmm. The same way that Favreau is heading up Mando, he kind of heads up Book of Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. And what's so crazy is he did the Tython episode of season two of The Mandalorian, and he was saying things like, all, all thriller, no filler, all killer, no filler. I can hype it up as much as I want because I know it delivers. And mind eraser, no chaser. Yeah. And his, <laughs> his two episodes have been the ones that I felt like I wasn't done yet. You know what I mean? Like you said, <clears throat> yeah, like I want every I, episode, I want every episode to start my day three hours early and be a three hour episode. But right. with episodes two and four, when they're done, I'm like, oh, dang, I wanted to keep going. But I'm like, okay, cool. That felt like a good episode. Yeah. Yeah. And episodes I four and three are like both good. More. They're both good, yeah, but like, they're you still are hungry. Yeah, I'm never upset after a book of Boba Fett episode. I always enjoy myself, but I enjoy myself less in episodes one and three as opposed to two and four. Like one had some really cool stuff that I really wanted to see. Um, and I remember I was watching a tour and I was like, oh, this is really cool. But then yeah. two happened and I was like, okay, this is where the this is where the juice is at. Yeah. And then um three happened. And I really, I think the first half of three was fantastic. I think a lot of good things happen in three. I think the whole, um, man, I was kicking myself because I thought about the joke too late. I, I would like to say I did think of it on my own, but Mm -hmm. somebody thought of it first. The most Vespa, uh, gang, (laughs) I, I was distracted by that. I think there's a cat by my back window right now. We have a cat that lives in the backyard. Sometimes he has like a, he doesn't have a tail. It's just like a stub. So we call him oh, Bobby. Snap. Does is do y'all feed him or is he just like around? No, he just hangs out. You get the joke though. Yeah, Bobby. That's funny. Okay, so um, I guess so you gave it an eight point seven. Is that what you said? Yeah, I I enjoyed it a lot. There's a lot of stuff that I really liked seeing. Um, it was cool to see kind of uh the dynamic that we were talking about between Finnick and Boba Fett. Yeah, you got like a lot more it, Finnick this episode. And I thought it was well, yeah, really, really and, fun. Um, I think it was just kind of the, like the formation and the dynamic that you've kind of talked about. Like it makes a little bit more sense now to see the relationship and like the earlier yeah, episodes. Uh, definitely. Kind of got like the backdrop on um, like he definitely can rule by power and he like displayed that with her, but then like he's reeling himself back. You know what I mean? Like he's, I, I've always heard that like strength is power under control. Like it's not just, you know, unadulterated, you know, slaughter. It's like knowing that you're capable of something, but also restraining yourself. Yeah. Um, Like knowing. And I think also like for your enemies to see something and go, 
okay, so we know he's capable. So definitely don't, don't get on this guy's bad side. Like, right. I think, I think that's what we need in, in the next three episodes um, is we need for there to be a moment where the Pikes take Boba Fett seriously. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think, um, I think the first four chapters he's attempted to rule with respect and he's getting disrespected. And I think that he's going to not so much fear like Jabba where he becomes a villain, but I think he will mm-hmm. rule with authority. Like I think, yeah, I think I really show out. I think he is going to put on a little bit more of a display. I don't know. It seems like with uh, Star Wars criminal types, there has to be some sort of um, like you have to put on a little bit of a display to get yeah. any sort of respect. You know what I mean? Like you can well, be powerful or you can be like a really cool guy, but yeah. if they don't know that they can also like really jack you up. They don't really care about what you're well, saying. It reminds me of um, it reminds me of Maul from the Clone Wars where he was helpful to Pre Vistla, but Pre Vistla didn't necessarily uh, respect him, which meant in turn the mm-hmm. other Mandalorians didn't respect him. And yeah. he goes, Okay, let's do this. Mono e mono, and whoever wins right. will rule Mandalore. And then he cuts or his like, head off. Uh, when he's first working with Savage, and Savage like will get, you know, big head a little bit sometimes We're and try to like buck up to him. Yeah. And then Maul's like, No, 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 that's not. Yeah, Maul gave him the business and he was like, No, daddy, no. <laughs> uh okay so you gave it 8.7 i'll give it a nine i'll give okay so if i backtrack obviously i have it i gave two a 10 because i was so excited i'll give two a 9.7 and i would give four a 9.6 i think four and two mm. are like right there and they may even fluctuate in the next few weeks i may like four better than two um yeah. okay so I, moving what did i rate i don't remember two. i'd have to go back mm. I'd have to go back. It's somewhere in there. But uh, like my friend Orla Jirini said, my praise is hard to earn. That's why it means something to you. That's right. Have you started Fallen Star? Yeah, I have. How far are you into it? Not very far. I started it's so yesterday. good, dude. It's so good. Okay. Um, I'm really enjoying so, it so far. Uh, moving along to a standout moment. Were there one or two or ten that really stood out to you from this chapter? Uh, it was cool. I, I mean, we kind of touched on all the, the really cool ones. It was cool to see. Oh, we finally got to see a Wookiee rip somebody's arm off. That was cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. We got Slave One back. What were they calling it? Like a, something. A fire, fire spray. Fire spray. Are they are they trying to get away from, away from the word slave? No. Well, I do think that, yes. But I think the reason that he doesn't call it Slave One is because he he's just talking about going to get his vehicle. So I think if... It's kind of like, uh, do you have a name for your car? Yeah. So I don't know what you call it, but um, okay. Like for instance, uh, I feel like it's different though. If it's like a ship or a boat though, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think the thing is he's, she knows what a fire spray is. If he's like, we have to go get the slave one. She'd be like, what do we need to go get a slave for? So no, I mean, yeah, but also, I also think it, realistically though, so they would like- know what his ship was. Right. No, I'm saying like he's notorious enough that they'd be like, oh, yeah, your ship's like one. We're like, I mean, it's like the Millennium Falcon. You know what I mean? Like he had yeah. enough of a reputation for her to know that he was supposed to be dead. I feel yeah. like maybe she, she would know what a ship was. Like. That's a good point. Yeah. But, um, um, that was, but that. it was we cool. The, the Sarlacc uh, seismic yeah. moment was sick. Always, always a fan of the seismic charge. Um, I really liked seeing him get a little bit vengeful. Um, yeah. The, with this the space game. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, dude. Yeah. I was like, yeah. more frowny back face, on Camino please. here. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed all that. I, I mean, obviously, I was most hype about the very heavy-handed hinting about uh, bringing in Mando. Yeah. So, um, okay, a couple of moments that stood out for me. Obviously, the Mandalorian was cool. Um, mm-hmm. Seeing him work with Black Crescenton is cool. It makes me nervous that he's got Black Crescenton and they're going to get the Mandalorian because I feel like we're getting further and further off of Bosk, and I'm not happy about that. But we'll see. Yeah. Can we talk uh, but, about sidebar real quick, how weenie those trained oceans were? Yeah, I was saying this. I was on an Instagram live a couple of nights ago with some of the other uh, toy photography guys. And I was saying, I think this has to be some kind of a subspecies. Like they, it has to be like, um, you know how sometimes, uh, okay. So like you have a Kodiak grizzly bear and then you have a brown mm-hmm. bear and then you have a black mm-hmm. bear. It's like, they're all bears, but the Kodiak, grizzly is bosk and the black bear whatever the freak these trend oceans are like they don't seem very aggressive and nice little, uh, uh sun bear in there yes you ever seen those things they're adorable yeah and they're kind of like like <laughs> <laughs> they're just hanging out they're like nana from snow dogs you know what i mean what's Not so funny too though is house. that uh they say that sun bears are responsible for like hundreds of deaths in asia like apparently they're I mean, they like say that about like panda bears are also supposed to be pretty aggressive, but I've also seen them like somersault like head first clinging, clinging to the legs of the zookeepers. So I don't know yeah. how much of it to believe um, a cool moment for me uh, that I think not enough people are talking about is um, from the trailer. You have the Klaatuinian, like the dog faced guy that's like, what's keeping mm-hmm. us from killing you and taking what we want? And in the trailer, he's like, speak freely. And it kind of, there's a menace in his voice where you're like, oh, snap, he doesn't really mean it. But it was even cooler upon the real uh, shot, which was him saying, what's keeping us from killing you and taking what we want? And um, Bing Bong, the Rancor, I don't know, he hasn't named him yet, so I've been calling him Bing Bong. (laughs) But uh, uh, the Rancor reaches up and puts his claws through the freaking roof. And it's like, yeah. it made you wonder if there's like a degree of sentience, like they, oh, for sure. they understand language a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Machete said they are highly intelligent creatures. I thought so, he said emotional creature. Emotionally maybe he said emotionally contract creatures. complex, but I think he said yeah, something about was... their intelligence too, but um, he definitely has a bond with Boba and he definitely can tell when Boba is feeling or, or is being threatened, which is kind of cool, which it makes sense that like so many people came in and were like given job of the business and the rancor didn't respond because he was attached to the human. Uh, mm. You know, the guy that comes in, he's like, when the rancor dies, <laughs> um, Malakili, I think his name is, but um, fine now, dude. I really think uh, by the end of the season, we're going to see Boba Fett ride that rancor. And I don't know if they're like, if they grow exponentially or they've on purpose kept the rancor like laying down. So we can't really see how big it is. Um, he doesn't look super big he looks kind of about the size of the one that was in bad batch i think he's got to be bigger than that because wrecker was just holding on to that one but just the fact like the fact that this one reached up and put his hands to the ceiling of the of the cage and was like that was freaking sick um that was was a big standout moment for me that i think didn't get enough love and initial thoughts I thought it was kind of a flex that like in the whole palace they're having, they moved the dinner table out to uh, on top of the rain pit. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was cool. 
I thought that was, was like, cool. It's literally a palace. There's like so many other places they could have it. Really took me back to uh, Battlefront 2 when you would fight in Java's palace and sometimes you'd mistakenly walk over the Rancor pit. Yeah, I think it's interesting that in Battlefront 2, it just drops you in automatically. Um, yeah. But there's never a Rancor in there, I don't think. No, but there is a... Uh, Not one that I can a remember. Gamorian, a Gamorian ready to hit you from behind and ruin your day. <laughs> have a great kill streak until you get whacked by one of them bozos yeah and it's like an insta kill i thought it was very interesting that um i don't know if it was on purpose but it seemed like when they went to get slave one back that they didn't kill any gamorians did you notice that it seemed like they tri- well i i'm not gonna say that because that's not true it seemed like boba for the most part was trying to be a relatively non-lethal finnick was not holding back in the least yeah, um, I think it's funny that the most <clears throat> the most approval that Boba gets from Finnick this whole show so far is when, when he mercs that whole that people group. on the swoop bike and he looks over <laughs> and she's like, oh, today's today was Wolf's first basketball game. Oh, and yeah? uh, so they uh, they were down 10 to four at half and they put the other team in a blender and won or no, they were down two to four and they won 10 to four. So they All scored right. eight to nothing in the second half. Of course, he's four. So that's like mondo mondo bucks i was talking to one of the other parents it was four to two and i was like i can't tell if this is a nail biter or a blowout uh because like who knows when these four-year-olds are going to score again but i kept telling wolf he has to focus like you gotta gotta keep watching the ball dude you gotta watch your guy and it's cool because when they're playing uh the five people on our team have uh wristbands on that are like red Mm -hmm. green blue whatever and you're supposed to guard the person on the other team that has that color wristband so it teaches them like man-to-man defense which is pretty clever but um, Wolf's team was going on offense and everything's a fast break. There's no like set plays or anything. So they just get the ball and just go for it, traveling the whole way. And yeah, of course. they're going down the court and Wolf stops at half court and looks at me and goes, and just gives me a thumbs up and stands at half court. And I was like, go, go. And he starts laughing and he leaves. And then halfway through the game, he was in the game, came over and goes, I need water. I need something to drink. <laughs> and I was like, you got to get out there. And he was like, oh. So I had to open up a water bottle and like shove water in his face and be like, now go. And it's like dripping down his chin. Um, but he had a blast. He absolutely loved it. But it's pretty cool because he's conscious of the fact he didn't score today. Mm-hmm. He was like, I didn't score. And I was like, you hunger, huh? So <laughs> we'll make a ball. Tell him uh, his uncle Samuel uh, managed to score all of one point his first season in sixth grade. <laughs> and it was in the last game. And I made a free throw. And I was Sick. like, all right, put that, put that in your books. Put that in your book. Put that in your you know. That's funny. Um, okay, so did we see anybody new that was interesting uh this episode? Or I guess there's just more of a fleshing out of a few characters and a mention of an incoming character. Uh, I don't know that we saw like like obviously I mean, we, we saw... finally the we finally got to talk to uh we saw that guy that does the mods. Yeah, that, uh, body mod. How'd you feel about his appearance? Um, it seems it just seemed like I was like I was thinking about it, and I was like, I mean, I guess in Star Wars, why freaking not? But I don't know. I always hate stuff that looks like too localized, especially if it's like modern. Yeah, like, so I, I see a guy like that at Walmart. I hate. Yeah, that. yeah. My thought was the guy that I don't. He's supposed to be somebody famous. I don't know who he is, but apparent. But like, so my thought is, I don't like that it looks like Doctor Who. Like anything that looks like it could be in Doctor Who or in Maze Runner, like that's that's earthy. So I don't like that. So I agree. Yeah. But I do like that it explains 
it explained to me a little bit when they're talking about the modifications in this episode, it -hmm. explained a little bit the fact that um, these people are obsessed with modifying and updating their body and their, in their Mm -hmm. vehicles to the point that they would not have any money for water. So I guess that helped explain a little bit of chapter three, where I was like, so a brand new, like starter Sharpie colors of Vespa, (laughs) but you can't get a bottle of Dasani. Like, it now it makes sense because they're literally every every penny they get they're upgrading their mods well, so that was cool it's a tough world against the banker for uh from rango you know what i mean yeah. <laughs> he guards that water with a tight fist um we'd be out of no, water it, yeah i don't i don't think there was anybody like really new no Not, like, lines wise anyways i mean um but we finally we got cool. more from chrysanthemum so episode mm-hmm. three we got some really good chrysanthemum action and then episode four yeah, we got some cool. more it was, I liked I was watching him like seethe from his little booth. Yeah. And I was like, oh, it's going to happen. He's as soon as he off. did the Gimli drink and everything goes down your beard, I was like, he's pissed. <laughs> he's going for it. I just like that it's like a Wookiee, so you can't really tell what the expression is, but I was like, he's leering. He's looking. Yeah. He's looking at the transition. All you see so is. Pissed off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, you know what's interesting is goblet back on the ground. Uh, Peter Mayhew and uh, I don't know the guy's full name, but it's Eunice something. The guy that plays Chewbacca and the new stuff, they're both like seven mm-hmm. two, seven three, and the guy that plays mm-hmm. Chrysanthemum is only six eight. Like mm-hmm. he's he's smaller as a human being, but Chrysanthemum is supposed to be is larger. Like he's supposed to yeah, be almost supposed to be eight a feet. Freaking massive, yeah. But I don't know if they're just using angles. And whatnot, but um, I mean, if you can make Tom Cruise look taller than anybody, you can make a uh, guy in a Wookiee suit look bigger than he is. That's fair. That's fair. They said he's like seven foot eight or something like that on set when they're walking <clears throat> next to him. Yeah. And so I guess maybe maybe that's why they made the Trandoshans look so small. I mean, they looked small, like they just looked like a, a human sized lizard. Yeah. You know, the, the and Bosk is supposed to be bigger. Yeah. So I wonder if, yeah, like I wonder. You know, like I said, with the bears or like even with lions, like there's lions that are like the big ones. And then the the north or more like northern Africa, you go, they get smaller or like um, there used to be lions like Israel and stuff. And they're supposed to be smaller. So I wonder oh, yeah. if when Bosch shows up, he's just like because he's supposed to be like the major, like the the ultimate Trandoshan. So maybe he's like their right. Goliath almost. Well, something else I was thinking about, too, is maybe it's like less of a biological statement and more of like a sociological statement. Like they have like the working class Trandoshans, which you would see, like, I don't know, they were just playing the most dangerous game out in space <laughs> fighting mm. and hunting down like, you know, little Padawans. And then you have, you know, I guess it would be the opposite for Trandoshans where like the fat cats would be like puny. Yeah. You know it's I mean? interesting like, because um, like, like just a divide. Yeah. Like in rebels, for instance, they're trying to get that big, almost like, remember that big square, like hovering earth mover that they were trying to take over or whatever. And the Trandoshan mm-hmm. was working on that. Yeah. There. The Trandoshan seemed like he was huge. He was business. Yeah. What and, but like, I did like, notice that not only that, not only size wise, it just seemed like their fighting instinct wasn't there. That's what makes me th- yeah. feel like it was like, cause they were like high rollers. They're gambling. You typically don't see Trandoshans really in that environment too much they're more out you know doing stuff with their hands so yeah it seemed like maybe it was kind of like one of those statements but then mm. get on tattooing so who the freak knows you know what i mean well it was interesting to me because um the trandoshans in the show 
they have five claws, but they have three fingers. So like the same way that I'm doing my hand right here, where my, my middle finger and my pointer finger are connected, but they're separate. They're like that. Mm -hmm. Like if you pause the show, it looks like if you put super glue and put super glue between your index and middle finger, and then your ring finger and your pinky, and mm. they act as three, like a chameleon or like, like a Grogu alien, but mm -hmm. the fingertips themselves have individual, like there's a claw on each one, but in Bosque, it's like, this is one unit. This is one unit. Yeah, yeah, and they yeah. have one giant claw coming out. So that's another thing that makes me differentiate those two. And, yeah, and you would think like, maybe it's, maybe they're going to make him that way because in the cartoon, he's had one, but in empire strikes back, he has the big claws. Yeah, 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 definitely. So, um, it makes me worried that like, unless Boba can convince these two to turn over a new leaf as well, like he has, it makes mm -hmm. me worried that like, I don't see Bosk and Chrysanthemum being on a team together. Oh no, I don't either. And I think that's why they hinted more heavily at bringing in, um, Mando. Yeah. Um, but if they are bringing in Mando, it gives me hope that, I mean, like I never thought in my wildest dreams, I'd see Luke in the Mandalorian. So right. I just thought it would be really cool if we saw Luke return to Tatooine and try and restore some modicum of justice. I don't know. I just thought it'd be really cool. Yeah. I think, man, if you bring in the Mandalorian, it doubles up your options for I who mean, else. Yeah. Can I'm help. saying it's like, that's a big connection to like a yeah. major character that we have because Boba for all intents and purposes in the Mandalorian in the book of Boba Fett is essentially a protagonist. Like he doesn't do anything that's seedy or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, but Din Djarin feels like more of a straight up good guy because of mm -hmm. Boba's past. But mm -hmm. if, uh, if, if Din's there, it means that people could work with Boba and it makes me wonder like, so Kersantan and Chewie have had issues in the past and Han and, and uh, Boba have had issues in the past, but it makes me wonder if like in a straight up war, like, I don't know, just if the possibility is there to see Han and Boba fighting with one another versus against one another, which yeah. really blows my mind. Well, and I don't think the, that Han and Boba have the kind of issues that, uh, for instance, Kersantan and a trained ocean would have. Right. I, totally it, was, it always seemed like a, a professional thing. You know what I mean? Like Han was uh, Jerry, so he had to try to get away. And Boba was Tom, so he had to try to catch him. And it pissed Boba off that sometimes Han would get away when it's his whole job to catch him. Right. Um, right. So I and I guess like Han's whole thing is like he's supposed to get away because he's the smuggler and sometimes Boba catches him. So he's kind of pissed off. Yeah. But it seems like it was never like anything more it's just that. Just you know, business. It didn't seem malicious. It just seemed like. Yeah. It's I interesting mean, that like on the opposite side. Yeah. Kersantan literally tried to kill Boba and tried to snap his back. And then five minutes later, <laughs> Boba takes a shot and goes, just business, mate. No problem. So maybe yeah. that's how he feels about Han, too. You never know. But yeah. uh, I guess that kind of covers. We've already talked about a lot of what's next stuff. So. Um, we're going to keep watching. We're going to keep ingesting this, the goodness of Boba Fett. I wake up every Wednesday morning at one forty-five. since watch I watched episode four. I'm like, I just really enjoyed it. And so every day I'm like, it's a freaking, when is the next? I was like, no, it's not Wednesday. I know. Like, I'm just I know. Like doing like a mental, a mental note of like, when's the next episode coming out? Yeah. But I think it's going to be great. I'm excited. Um, I think that, uh, we have a lot to look forward to. Um, if you guys, are enjoying our reviews of course please like this video subscribe to the channel follow us on twitter and instagram 
Um, and if you had questions or if you have questions ongoing throughout the week, uh, please send us uh, a DM and we would love to answer those on the air. If you would leave us a five-star rating and a review on, on, uh, on iTunes, we would love to read that on air and it helps us get discovered and grow the show. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. May the force be with you. And uh, as always, remember, <laughs> the only family you have here is me. We'll see you next time.